Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And, you know, what's, what was really delightful last year when I played this, this, other, this other kid, the Ian, the, the punk cellist, mm-hmm. uh, he goes by. It was his first fest, and so he played in the Jawbreaker cello quartet for our set, mm-hmm. and he also did his own solo set of punk cello karaoke stuff. <laughs> and people people ate it up like they absolutely loved it. And so now he's now he's like really he's making videos and he's like doing punk karaoke shows and like wedding you know elder emo weddings and stuff like that where people <laughs> walk down to like favorite oh walk down out of their favorite emo songs or what have you. So amazing. Hello and welcome to the Adulting Wealth Podcast. I am your co-host, Pepper. I am joined, as always, by the wonderful Kevin McCracken. Kevin, how are you doing today? Excellent. I am doing excellent. I'm glad it's the end of the day for us. Gordon, thank you for doing this late, your time. So our guest is somebody I've gotten to know over the last, what, like a year and a half or so via email over a vari- for a variety of reasons. Well, it's five years in pandemic time. Right? <laughs> Gordon <laughs> Withers, who is a uh, accomplished cellist, but also uh, a great guy and has so many more facets to his life than just music, which is not a small portion of anyone's life, but is amazing and part of the reason <laughs> I wanted to have you on the show. So welcome and thank you. You're welcome. I'm, I'm, I'm excited. That's good. Thanks for having totally, me. Totally, totally. So... Um, what is Joshua? What do you have behind your head back there? I've got uh, this. Yes. No, above, above. What's in that? What's that record? Oh, I've got there? the record. Yeah. I've got the record. I've got the oh, uh, that. the jawbreaker on cello. I thought I saw that. Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean, I don't want to jump right into that, but it is a beautiful thing, Gordon. You made this record. It's a uh, jawbreaker songs on cello. Um, I was playing uh, bivouac for my wife this morning and it's so interesting what a what a song that is outside it of sure its is. trappings you know what i mean like outside of all of its tra- as, as a muzak performance it's sweeping and emotional and and uh it's just interesting that the i guess what i'm trying to say is there are songs that seem to hold up uh when they when they when they go from genre to genre to genre or is it that you're so good, Gordon, that you could take any song and make it into oh, a timeless classic? De- that's definitely <laughs> it. No. <laughs> no, it's a great it's a great song. And it's the one that came out the best, I think, out of the bunch that I did for that record. Yeah. But it's because it's such a such an amazing song. And it's such a weird song too. Yeah. You know, yeah. Like especially for a you know, a punk band. Sure. It's like like eighty minutes long and yeah. it has like five hundred parts, but um 
but the parts change so much and they're so different from you know, in between each other. It yeah. was definitely the hardest one to transcribe for uh, cello quartet for like for the live performances we've done. Cool. And it was the most confusing, you know, when when uh, when I was trying to teach other cellists like what the parts were and like how to how to play them because it would switch between double time and half time and do all these yeah. things, like change keys and it was it's really it's really a fascinating composition. Do you condense things? Is it a condensed version? Some, like yes. A- well, I, I cut out like the sort of like the last. 70 minutes of the you know the jam part at the end but uh you know we do a little bit of it and then we kind of fade out when did you start playing music when did i start um i started cello in fourth grade so why nine years old because it was like you know i had it i was i was blessed public school yeah uh, public education yeah music program actual music program with like donated instruments and you know that sort of thing. So like we had an instrument, uh, you know, if you, if you signed up for it, you would get an instrument. That's sure. The first year or so. Yeah. 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 I had to clear it yeah, I was a, I was a product of the uh, public education system. So go socialism. And did, they, did it just, did you just take to it and go, Oh, music, here it is. This is what I'm doing now. Yeah, or... I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd had piano lessons as a, as a younger kid. Oh, okay. Kindergarten, and, and then I listened to music a lot. I think the the catalyst was really the fact that like I would come downstairs by myself on Saturday mornings when you know early in the early days of MTV mm-hmm. and just put MTV on and like play for a couple sure. hours. So like four or five years old, you know, sure. listening to all the early MTV videos and songs and things, and that kind of like I think set me up for <laughs> a weird music career or quasi career after that. It was formative. Formative. The- Peter Absolutely. Gabriel and uh, who else was on? <laughs> who was on the first? I mean, Madonna, MTV. Michael Jackson, yeah, all, sure. all that. but a lot of like weird UK bands because those were the only bands that had made music videos up to that point. Totally mm. true. They had they had been making them, I think, prior to MTV, sure, to some extent. And so when MTV launched, there was this whole sort of cache of those UK new wave bands videos, right? So that I really gravitated towards that, and that kind of well, that must have shaped a lot of them. Like converted their live performances on like Top of the Pops to Mm -hmm. video, you know, where they were like, "Here's our cut from Top of the Pops" or whatever. And a lot of them are like those really bad lip syncing things where they're just like dancing in the white dude, (laughs) you know, new wave coming from England dance, like the Depeche Modes and the, you know, the Cure and. Like, it's just like, so, I mean, some of them are, were really good though, too. I think the Cure and Echo and the Bunnymen made some pretty like storytelling style videos yeah. back in the day. But, um, so what, I mean, so you, you start playing cello, like, how did you get into like more independent music and, and kind of the stuff that brought you to, you know, some of the things you've recorded, you know, there's obviously other bands you've been in, which we'd love to talk about, so. I mean, I was at that, you know, other than like the, the form of MTV stuff, I would, you know, that, so my early love of rock music and new wave music, it was really, you know, I was at the exact age where grunge and Nirvana broke, like when I was 13, 14, like that exact magical age where your, sure. your taste is like at its, you know, it's being influenced most right. 
based on you know where you are in life. So that's what did it. It was it was all like that that independent alternative rock grunge breaking you know punk as well yeah, yeah green day happened like uh, uh signs like right around then at the same time and were huge exactly yeah. where did you grow up uh central pennsylvania so kind of middle of nowhere that was actually you know i know it was, it was sort of pre-internet so it was although it was pretty torturous in many regards like it was it was good in that the few of us who did find each other through music, like had a really strong connection. Yeah. I mean, like, I was I, just about to ask that because here yeah. you are this grunge listening to cello playing, <laughs> classically trained on piano, uh, fella walking around school. And did you have a group of, of like musician weirdos that you hung out with? Yeah. You know, that it was, it's such a sort of rural area that, we would have to find each, there'd be like three of us at each school. And then like, eventually like we'd find each other. Nice. <laughs> and, uh, there was, we were really blessed in that, um, that music scene in central Pennsylvania, the, the sort of punk scene was very influenced by the D- DC scene. Yeah. Oh, so, and, okay. and, but not just in terms of the style of music, but in terms of like the, the ethos and philosophies and like very inclusive, very, you know, kind of welcoming, very progressive, very DIY. And so we would have, a few of them actually were on, I don't know if it's the board of directors or what, but we had a local community center. And there were, you know, a few of the folks in the scene were involved in that, like they're five years, they're the Gen X kind of generation, like five or 10 years older than us. But they helped put on shows and get bands from other, you know, who were touring through to come through this middle of nowhere, central Pennsylvania mm-hmm. nice. area. Um, and then, uh, you know, a couple of them, mid Carson, July and gray M kind of went on to sort of like some notoriety in that, that sort of late nineties proto emo scene, independent music scene. They toured a lot. And sure. then, uh, a, a bunch of them, I think ended up in Tampa actually, yeah. But it was it was a you know for for as small as it was it was a very vibrant and and wonderful music scene. What what town what, like what was the closest city just so people can put it into proximity here? Harrisburg, yeah. an hour and a half south. State College, about an hour west. So you know, State College had its own own, own thing going as well. Yeah. Ethel, Missouri, was really big there, okay. and I, I think there's still widely regarded. Wilkes Barre Scranton was about an hour and a half northeast okay so yeah it was it was great it was really good but it, it was also sort of insulated as well so a lot of the nonsense from like the syracuse you know uh, uh straight edge scene <laughs> and we all a bunch of us were straight edge, but like we were that, that older generation kind of insulated us from a lot of that sort of politics and nonsense and cult-like stuff that was going on as well yeah. is that the difference between the east coast and west coast coast scenes kevin because so we've been we've been listening to a lot of people talk about the kind of uh dc scene and dc adjacent scenes Mm -hmm. and we've had a lot of people on and you and i grew up in the early 90s in the east bay scene um and they sound pretty similar and i'm just wondering if like what differentiates the 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 flavors there well i think i mean i think zach hit something really important that like DC was incredibly 
prolific about documenting their music. So they had mm-hmm. Ian driving Discord, which was putting out a, a record by almost every band. And all the people knew each other and like rotated bands and started new bands. And so there's that documentation. And I think the East Bay had that same thing with Lookout and Gilman Street, right? Right. right. So, you know, and they were a little, a, a couple of years behind DC really effectively, but they, they took that model and, and ran with it in their own way. And it was, I think it was a little more, um, uh, you know, developed at that point. Cause there was like touring and other stuff going on that was a little more developed, but um, you know, all the smaller scenes around him, I, I think Gordon really played, you know, kind of commented well on this is like, you kind of picked your scene to be influenced by if you were a smaller town, you know, it's like <laughs> somebody got yeah. into something and everybody was like passing it around, you know? And, um, Exactly. So, you know, I, I think it's, it's interesting. I mean, you know, and like, I think smaller town breed, breed a lot of uh, creativity too, because people are so fucking bored. Like, you know, mm-hmm. well, that's it. That's it. Yeah. You're hanging out together, yeah. right? <laughs> let's get shows. Let's do this. Let's, you know, and it was kind of the same conversation we were having with Zach yesterday. Like, you know, mm-hmm. like he has, he grew up in, you know, uh, in what, what do you say rochester rochester yeah. north and so yeah. just a small another small scene you know and so my you know i think i think like good people sort of congregate too and if you've got good intentions and you've got inclusive intentions that you're going to draw that in you know and and uh you know definitely sounds like gordon's scene was all about that so as you got a little older how did you branch out because i know you're not you're no longer in central pennsylvania so like what was the what was the impetus to leave and kind of what happened with you know with you leaving leaving town and how how was that? Well, as good as the music scene was, like I didn't want to be in a rural kind of you know red state area, so I wanted to go to Boston. I had a half brother there. I went to college at Brandeis outside of Boston, and basically like just did everything I could to be in a band. Nice. Like literally, like I was writing handwritten letters to oh, wow. bands in Boston that I'd seen. Amazing, offering to like you know play cello for them or whatever. And eventually, like one of them, Turkish Delight, broke up. But then they they had gotten my letter, <laughs> so two of the people formed another band and you know asked me to play. In it. Nice. That was like freshman year of college. So I was playing in like a Gen X band with people ten years older than yeah. me. Starting my freshman year, amazing. <laughs> Taking a bus with my cello from uh, from college, you know, back and forth to rehearsals and stuff. <laughs> That's amazing. It was, it was absolutely absurd, and that that gets to kind of another another thing about you know when I was thinking of like adulting well and what that <laughs> means in in this uh, in this day and age, and it's it's sort of like be curious about your mental health and potential neurodiversity. I obviously had ADHD yeah. and, and still do. And only now, like about the past year, I've been diagnosed with it and, and, yeah. and, and dealing with it. But I don't, I, I kind of wonder like if, if I had known then would I have been doing those crazy things, like writing letters to bands? <laughs> like, <laughs> right. Right. Maybe not. I don't well, know. the treatment for it then would have been much different. So who knows what it would have done. Right. Exactly. I mean, I think that, that that's come a long way in terms of both like, doing mind exercises and lowering the amounts of like incredibly powerful medications that they're giving, (laughs) you know, teaching people to meditate is actually surprisingly helpful for ADHD, you know? So, um, you know, I think it's, uh, it's interesting. Who knows? I mean, you may have been writing more letters depending on what, what kind of, uh, what, what 
what chemical combination you'd been given at that time, right? <laughs> I found that like when I discover stuff like that about my my own mental health, it's less that I would change my behavior and it feels much more like a curtain opens up to explain myself. Oh, that's better. exactly yeah. that's exactly how I thought about a year ago yeah. when I yeah. finally pursued. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's why yeah, I'm an asshole. Oh, okay. Now I get <laughs> yeah. it. Now I understand. Yeah. That would make a lot more sense. So what um do you mind what what was the band you were tour you were like taking the bus for to Oh yeah, it, so it's a band called Betwixt. Um there's probably been like five other Betwixt since then, but um it was it was the Boston nineties, late nineties Boston band Betwixt. What was what's great is that we did two albums. It was sort of that like the last hurrah of the major label, like you mm. could you, you could you knew what you were in for, but you could take the ride mm -hmm. maybe for an album yeah. or two. And I think if we had stayed together past album number two, we would have probably had that chance for like an mm -hmm. album or a sure. third or fourth album. Um, but we're, we put out two albums, 97 to 99, 2000, somewhere around there. And really actually very proud of them. Very sort of like art rock kind of experimental female vocals. And we just got back together this a year ago to do two yeah. shows. As oh, no way. I, I got in, I got in super late the one night in Boston. We didn't make it over right. there, which was a bummer. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was, the, it was sort of like, I remember the, the, the being very proud of those records and the sort of litmus test was, all right, the first one I really like, and I would have copied it on cassette from somebody yeah. if I weren't in the band. Then the second one I would have bought. Nice. Oh yeah. Okay. And, like finally, I made something I would have bought. Yeah. Right. I knew, I knew that I was, you know, that was something to be proud of. And so that we reissued that record, the, the Salty Tang, on vinyl last nice. year, and uh, that's what we did. Those that reissue. How was it playing together after all those years? It was amazing. So uh, you know, I think that I think that bands are you know have a particular magic in that it's an energy that can only be created by that combination of people. Mm -hmm and instruments sure and it be and it's sort of its own organism right that manifests when uh you know i hate that word but <laughs> it manifests when when those people are in the room mm -hmm. and it kind of like comes it comes to life right and so it, it you know it came back to life 20 years later yeah. it was familiar it was that same kind of yeah oh that's I mean, really we're cool. all different but and it felt yeah. different of course it felt it was a different time and space and we were all yeah. different, but, but it was still that same sort of organism. Nice. That's what awesome. were you, um, what were you studying in college at the time you were, you were doing, you were doing both. You were, you were like working the, the music and working for a degree. So I had to, I ended up doing uh, classical cello performance as the, as the degree. Amazing. There's a good music program there and a history double major. Um, but, but the classical actually really helped the rock mm -hmm. weirdly i've heard that before actually like, you know mm -hmm. it sort of like helped and i think that you know when i picked up guitar at 15 as well that my cello teacher at the time was like oh there it goes there it goes <laughs> oh yeah but i was sitting there trying to figure out all the grunge songs mm -hmm. by ear with my new guitar mm -hmm. and that helped my ear for cello nice so sure. Sure. those the two actually complemented each other yeah. I mean, I, my, so just a quick side note, my daughter, my almost 14 year old plays harp Amazing. and I went to pick Love her that. up at her mom's house a couple of years ago before pre pandemic. 
and she, I get there and I'm waiting kind of down. They had this, like, they were upstairs flat in a two unit building in San Francisco. And she yells down, daddy, come upstairs. I want to show you something. And lo and behold, she has learned Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven on harp. And, and <laughs> where if I'm sitting in a music store and some kid starts doing that, I'm probably annoyed. <laughs> but if I'm at my, you know, ex-wife's house and my my then, you know, whatever 10-year-old daughter starts rocking that shit on harp, I was really excited. You know, I was like, he raised right. <laughs> so, you know, I think the rock crossover does help classical training. And, uh, and um, you know, it's a, it's, it's like, and vice versa, right? If you're really into yeah, music, yeah. like, and really into listening, you can find amazing stuff. I mean, one of my bands used to steal from ABBA. So, you know, you just never know where that's going <laughs> <that's gonna> to come. <laughs> well, I think people realize it now and like are open to it now. Like you see all those Bach to rock schools mm -hmm. where it's sort of, you know, it's both, yep. both aspects. And that was never, that was not always the case. There was stigma yeah. in sort of both directions yeah. for, for generation yeah. i mean yeah what um and that's so you're basically you you finished college the band obviously didn't continue after the second record like kind of what how did you transition into into like because you've got you've got the music you're doing now which is you know way more than just the covers and 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 transcribing other people's songs i mean you're you're working on some really intense stuff uh with with zach from jawbox yeah. and you know Jay's in that band as well. Um, sort of what happened between, cause that's, you know, now 20 years ago to, to now that kind of got you to where you are now, what were you working on? Well, funny enough, it actually was all the stuff 20 years ago mm -hmm. that, that kind of set all that up, you know, in, in my high school bands, which, which were really fun and, and betwixt were both very, very heavily jam based and improvisational based. Mm -hmm like kind of searching for the song, you know, at, you know, as a dialogue with, with, uh, you know, the other musicians, as opposed mm -hmm. to here's the song I wrote, let's all learn it. Right. And so that, you know, that really, you know, looking back, you know, that was a real blessing because that kind of set me up to have that, the feeling of, of and comfort level to jam and to, you know, be really super creative. Mm -hmm. So it was that, that kind of, set me up to do something like Zach's new freedom sound, which is just, just a huge honor to be part yeah. of. And that's, I guess that's the thing I should be promoting. Right. Because that came out like two weeks ago. Yeah. Well, on vinyl. we're, we, we, we did a, a lot of like, I was pretty shameless in my, in my, my praise <laughs> of that record when we talked to Zach on the show and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sort of one of those guys that can't help myself if I'm excited about something. That record is insane. I mean, and I the, I had the good fortune to hear some yeah. of these songs develop because you'd sent me so much of what you you oh, all right. were working on and they changed a lot. Number 1 and number 2, yep. they like the way that all of you play off each other is really I mean, you know, it's, you know, it's incredible. I know like you brought in the oboe player who's like that. He's a professional oboe player. Um, but yeah. the, the fact that, that you are such a wide mix of people and the backgrounds are, are pretty diverse, you know, is it's just like, yeah, it's a really good record. I, I'm not going to go on and on about it a second day in a row, but, but um, and embarrass myself. <laughs> but I, all I can say is if you're, if you're curious, go to, go to, uh, go to Bandcamp listen to the songs if you can afford it 
You know, Kevin, know. it's Thank only you. two. It's only two days in a row for us. Yeah, that's not true. For, not for the show. Yeah. Not for our listeners. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's insane. I mean, and I think one of the things that's really interesting, and and you maybe you can talk about this for for music nerds out there, is it's. Zach brings sort of this like broad idea of what he wants, but he allows everybody that's collaborating to truly collaborate on the songs and bring, like, he doesn't tell you what to play on cello. He doesn't tell Jay what to play on piano. He's not in there saying, Mark, you need to do this or that. It's like, all of it is very like, like, like you bring your personalities and you're playing to it. Talk about what it's like. Does he bring, sorry, does he bring the chord changes like, and, and, like a not song so structure hmm. not so much it's i mean it starts the compositions for new freedom sounds start out as drum drum compositions which is oh, sort of wow. fascinating in its own right but it's drums looped with a vocal loop on top of it and zach is singing which is something you would not you know potentially expect you know having fan of zach, zach broke his bands for the past 25 years. and then you play instruments over vocals and drums zach. Exactly. Whoa! So, exactly. The way it works is Zach sends me that, like that sort of the nucleus of an idea. It's a drum, usually a drum loop and a vocal loop, and I'll sit there and you know find a spare moment and try to write some parts to it. And I try to usually do it in like layers, so it's not just a single cello, but like two or three or four. And then uh, I listen back and realize that it's all shit, and I throw it all out. And start <laughs> over, and then usually that's when the magic starts to happen. Sure, sure. So, the, like the second or th- third attempt is usually, you know, like all right, now I now I feel where Zach's going with this, and then send those back. He puts a sort of skeleton of, you know, he cuts and pastes and copies and pastes, and you know, makes a kind of structure out of that, and then we take that into the studio. But he must be singing to some scale or key or something that you have no, to he's, he's just singing to the, the wow, drum that's which just is amazing yes and it, it is but i've i've i don't know how many people have, i think i've heard other people say this too but i've always felt that zach's parts are melodic oh mm-hmm. yeah just in sort of like the way they flow and like the different and it's so easy to hear like even if he wasn't singing it's so easy to like hear a melody Sure. Kind of flowing out of out of the, the beat or the drum part. Yeah. And then um so even you know, with him singing it's even easier. And then but you know, you, you still have to work on it you know, a couple couple iterations probably. But what's what's I think I think part of the part of the artist the, the artistry of it is Zach's Zach's choice of players and right. how to instrumentation and how to bring them together so yes we do have total basically total freedom to you know as long as we're like within the vibe and, mm-hmm. and it, it is all about vibe like the we our unofficial uh unofficial motto is let the vibe decide hashtag let the vibe decide. <laughs> and, uh, <coughs> and it, but it really is about that but part of the part of the genius of it is is the way zach sequences and brings in people right to realize that realize this vision yeah it's a it's it's really very much should be on the playlist of any musician in my opinion because there's so much going on yeah it's a it's good i mean it's just good stuff it's really 
definitely intense and really <laughs> not not two pieces sound exactly the same and that's also very hard to do um so when during all this stuff did you have time to get married and have a family because <laughs> you, you, yeah. you, you got a full life man well again adhd yeah. uh but no it's it, it's 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 been a great journey um you know kathy my wife and our, our two daughters you know we're very lucky they're going into fourth and first grade now, wow. <laughs> but yeah, married in 2009 and, and, uh, Emma was born in 2013. Nice. So it's been a good, it's been a really fun ride. Yeah. Do the kids listen to the, the music? Do they listen to any? They do. I, I try not to push it too much. I think, you know, I don't want to annoy them and turn them off from it right now. They're super into BTS and like some other, oh, wow. uh, we have a sort of pop playlist. Hmm. We just sure. got back from a family trip, and you know, we just had to listen to it kind of over and over again. But, <laughs> uh, it could be worse. Yeah, at least they're they're into music. Yeah, that and BTS is pretty good. You yeah, know, I have to admit they they've got it's it's form it's a formula, but they're kind of masters of it, or whoever is writing the songs are, are masters. Of it. Yeah, I actually write all their songs. <laughs> Bravo. So excellent work. I guess what's it like to uh, to play something like Fest as a cellist? Uh, it's, it's pretty awesome. I love Fest. I mean, uh, again, it gets back to that that whole community aspect uh-huh. that you know, from way back in the Central Pennsylvania days. And in fact, you know, a lot of the people from that original Central Pennsylvania scene, like I said, some of them ended up in Florida or Tampa, that area. Mm-hmm. They their their subsequent bands have been mainstays at fest mm. or like they've helped or you know helped organize it and uh and so whenever i go down to play it they're there that's awesome <laughs> at least like four or five six of them and we all kind of have a reunion and, and it's it's a great time yeah. and it's it's just so cool to see people you know like-minded people from all across the country come together and kind of celebrate that that punk scene yeah you know, and and not just punk, but you know, ska and you know, other lots of. I like how diverse it is as well. Yeah, and the fact that they're willing to have like classical renditions. Of, well, that's. I mean, that's the thing from like live. Is you know, cool. I mean, most of the bands are pretty like you know upbeat. I mean, it's it's punk yeah. and ska and you know and hardcore. I mean, it's not like it's a. It's you know it's it's not like it's a like eclectic music festival really, but there you are playing cello and so how do people react to to your to your uh, to your performances there? Oh, I mean, it it it, it, it seems like everyone loves yeah. it, you know. The, um, and you know what's what was really delightful last year uh, when I played um, this this other this other kid, the Ian, the the punk cellist, mm-hmm. uh, he goes by. It was his first fest, and so he played in the Jawbreaker cello quartet for our set, mm-hmm. and he also did his own solo set of punk cello karaoke stuff. <laughs> and people people ate it up like they absolutely loved it. And so now he's now he's like really he's making videos and he's like doing punk karaoke shows and like wedding you know elder emo weddings and stuff like that where people <laughs> walk down to like favorite oh walk down out of their favorite emo songs or what have you. It's amazing. It's awesome. It's it's great. Like he doesn't he doesn't have family and kids at least at this point. So it's it's cool to see him like you know kind of you know, really really go all in that on it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But it was great. It was great to meet him and like the other two cellists we played with. Um, 
Melissa, who's who's from Tampa, who played in a lot of the, a lot of Florida bands, nice. and, and has her own kind of rock orchestra in Tampa called Same Day Delivery Orchestra. Nice. And you know, and she recruited the, the fourth cellist last year, and uh, yeah, it's 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 awesome. It's a great time. That's amazing. What um, what was I going to ask? So. How did you start doing these covers? Like, where where did that like come into play? Because you know you're you're doing stuff with like, you know, all these amazing other musicians, and then you know, bam, here's this like, you know, these these like punk covers that you're doing. Well, it it I I have Apocalyptica to thank, uh, the Finnish cello quartet who, kind of as a joke, did a Metallica album in like nine. 98 99 somewhere around there mm-hmm. and so it was a hit and like it 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 you know, i think it was the first time you know there of course there have been string versions of rock music you know for as long as there's been rock music but it was the first time you could hear really hear like metallica done like in that sort of classical way and i think later they they played with the san francisco orchestra and, and stuff wow. but but that was really that was such a great collection of, of arrangements. And I had to do, I was assigned some sort of independent project that I've had to come up with for my music degree. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, well, what can I do? That's sort of like a apocalyptic, but totally weird and offbeat, but is also heavy and melodic. Mm-hmm. I was like jaw box. It's perfect. Right. Mm-hmm. They're heavy. They're powerful. And like, there's just this beautiful, melodic stuff going on you know all th- all throughout every song yeah. and so i did a bunch of jawbox uh arrangements recording them on my four track and i think i got an a for the project but nice <laughs> congratulations it didn't, sound, it didn't sound very good at the time but i did send copies of it off to jawbox and they were kind of like what the hell is this yeah. <laughs> But they remembered me like later when I moved to DC, and so that was how I kind of got nice, got uh, got in in with the, the DC music scene at that point. So did you? And I think by that point, actually, uh, people were doing lots of benefits for Cal Robbins, yeah. who uh, sadly has passed away last yeah, year. But um, uh, you know, benefits for Jay and Janet, yeah. of course, but you know, for Cal Cal's diagnosis of spinal muscular atrophy, and so I did. I redid the job box arrangements you know in, a, in an actual studio not just on my four track and and that's kind of how it started yeah there's a, a that's that's a tough story i remember the benefits going on and mm-hmm. you know it's uh not something that um that any parent should have to go through you know honestly it's a it's a tough one um but you know i think uh the 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 community really rallied around them in, in a really yeah again again another great example of like community music yep. community via music yep. and, and how powerful it can be yeah so i mean did you get you also didn't you do a dark side of the moon on cello i did and was oh, was wow. there any problem with roger waters or pink floyd with that or did you just do it and or did you have to pay at, at the at the time you could i don't know if you still can but at the time you could get you know the mechanical licenses via Harry Fox agency, I okay. think. And so that's what I did. Okay. Uh, I just, I got enough for like the 300 records I made and, and some, some amount of digital downloads. And, and um, 
it was cool. funny. I think at the time I was explaining that to uh, Brian at Discord or some somebody at Discord, and they're like, "Oh, that's what that Harry Fox agency thing is that keeps sending us money that I have no idea what." what to do. <laughs> <laughs> yes, because people are actually trying to be right. trying to be ethical and like pay Discord for the rights to you know, cover. Yeah, they're banned. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. I, I never even thought about that. Like, what bands must get money from them? You know, like just random. Well, probably probably it's a small percentage that actually like bothered. Yeah, to license to do the license. But I, 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 of course, I had a Kickstarter for that, and I wanted to do it all sort of above board. Well, you don't also don't want to mess with Pink Floyd, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Roger Waters isn't exactly known for being like super easy, you know. Uh, and I, I'm not sure what the arrangement is around that record, but you know, I'm sure he's got some residuals involved in that in some way because he definitely performs it. You know, I've seen him, I've seen him play live, and he, he, and to be honest, I'm a Pink Floyd fan, so I'm not even going to like try to hide that. I love that band. Um, seen him play a number of times, and and uh, it's always been quite an experience. So. You know, he bring, he brings the show. I never got the chance. Yeah, to... I brought a friend of mine to see uh, the Wall when they were here in San Francisco doing that. When when Roger, and that was when him and Gilmore were getting along. So Gilmore would have here and there show up and play at the at the shows. Wow, that's incredible. So you know, I was like hoping for that night, but no <laughs> dice, no dice. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's that's a that's a really cool record too, and I. I like how do you pick this stuff? Is it just stuff you love and you think it's going to go well on cello? That's basically yeah. it. You're just like, right now I'm working on Chavez. Oh really? <laughs> Which has probably an audience of about like 30 people, yeah. but, uh, uh, but it's going really well awesome. in terms of like, it sounds good. Yeah. And it's, it's, it, it, it suits cello well, partly because they detuned the, so their guitar so much right. and to actually to some of the same open strings that the cello is tuned. That makes sense. Oh, wow. Cool. That makes sense. Yeah. How, how, so when you did the, um, the jawbreaker on cello, I mean, I know the, the reaction was jawbreaker fans are, are like a special breed. Um, and, um, uh, it seems, you know, I follow the boards and stuff still, and it seems like it was met with like a lot of love and support. Like, how did that whole thing? It seems that way, and, and I was, I was, I was not expecting. Yeah, it. you know, I thought, I, I thought it would get like a small, positive, potentially positive reception from, you know, a small group of people who would like would be open to that version of it, and you know, and expected like a lot of people to be like, "What the hell?" You know, <laughs> classical, but, <laughs> but, uh, but, but no, like, like everyone seemed to, everyone who heard it seemed to like it, which I was, I was really. Really honored that. Uh, it's so good. I wouldn't be surprised if it's a bridge the other direction too for people from yeah. classical music into Jawbreaker. Oh yeah, yeah, pro- probably. But again, I think it, like like with Jawbox, it goes to the strength of the songs and the melodies because they're so compelling. You know, it's it's mm-hmm. and and they're so, they're so beautiful too. And you know, when you think of punk, like the beautiful is not necessarily the first sort of like descriptor that comes to mind i think for most people right. but there's so many bands that it actually is you know and and it, all it takes is just like hearing it in a slightly different instrumentation to be like oh wow yeah you know, that's an amazing melody yeah. <laughs> how, um how have the live show's been going with jay and like during covid how are you feeling about all that 
the, the most recent set of shows we did was amazing, yeah. and that was in May. Uh, that was that was a, a set of acoustic shows just with Jay, so guitar, cello, voice, and opening for Bob Mole was doing ele- electric solo, yeah. um, and that was sort of throughout the you know places scattered throughout the Northeast. Right. And that was that was an, an incredible experience. I mean, obviously, opening for Bob Mould is really <laughs> incredible, no matter right. what sort of configuration it yeah. is or how many how many shows you do. Yeah, he's pretty okay. He's uh, like he's all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I will say though that the you know I did you know the Twix shows, I did Fest, and like a couple other shows, like one show with Jay and a couple other things in the fall of 2021, mm-hmm. and I didn't necessarily expect to be kind of like on the bleeding edge of of you know the resurgence of live music right. post covid mm-hmm. and that was pretty stressful yeah, yeah. and sure. maybe if you know if i had the choice again i wouldn't have done it but it was it was a lot it was you know a lot to do and a lot of a lot of stress and 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 honestly like amazing but but so stressful that like it was hard to enjoy it it was mm-hmm. hard to relax and just enjoy what was going on yeah i mean it seems like uh I, I don't know. I, I had tickets to a lot of stuff at that point and canceled a lot of it. And then we did those live shows for the podcast and it was pretty, it yeah. was, it was a little scary. You know, I was a little yeah. like, Oh, am I doing the right thing? Like, and the funny thing is that right. I didn't even get COVID until a few months ago after all this. Yeah. 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 Oh, wow. And, really? So many people. Have heard the same and it, it was like a, a, I think my wife and I got it on father's day. <laughs> like, Oh yeah, no! I think we got it. Like we had one of the guys, one of my buddies from work, and his kids over, and but we were outside the whole time. But it's so it just tra- the the it, you know it spreads so quickly now, and it's just such a different virus. I was just you know, but it knocked me out mm. for sure. I'm you know I'm 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 still very cautious. So we we usually actually go ahead go ahead. Oh, I was going to say Kathy and the kids actually got COVID like in the last couple of days of the Bob Mold tour. Oh, really. Which, which, oh. you know, up to that point, the tour had been amazing, but that was super stressful to like finish out the last couple of shows and then, and then drive back to you know, a, a, a beleaguered household. The COVID house. Yeah, it's tough. So, um, usually we wrap around 45 minutes. Hard to believe it's been 45 minutes. It feels like it's been about 10 minutes. <laughs> um, uh, you know, just like it's such a great conversation. And it's, it's really nice to have you on here and just hear a little bit more about you know, what you've been doing in your process. And, you know, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm so like unapologetic about my fanhood for people that I really respect. So, um, you know, and I think that we were talking about this yesterday, like it really plays into uh, like, there's more love for music when I know the person is like a deeply good person, you know, <laughs> like it just, you know, just really <laughs> it like, for some reason, no, I, I feel like I can hear it at that point once I know them, you know, yeah. but, um, you know, what, what do you got coming up next? Like you're working, you, you told me, you told us what you're working on, uh, cello wise, but what, what else is happening? Are you guys, is new freedom sound going to do any live shows or is that just going to be a recording thing? I mean, it would be amazing to do a new freedom live show. I don't know how that would work. I think you'd need like, you need two, at least two drummers, probably not, and then, you know, a percussionist beyond that five vocalists, three cellists, like four, Ten, you know, clone Mark Cisneros ten times. You know, uh, I don't know, but uh, uh, 
it's not out of the it's not out of the realm of possibility. We have talked about yeah. it, and and sort of like I said, wouldn't it be cool if? Um, but we are going to record again in January, okay. I think, which is amazing. Nice. Um, Jay and I are playing the acoustic show September 10th at the Metro Gallery in Baltimore, and then the the band Jay Robbins Band is going to open for Girls Against Boys Man. at the Black Hat in DC on October 15th. Amazing. Which, it's another dream come true. Oh my god! Wow. I didn't even know they were playing shows right now. <laughs> yeah, I mean they they what they've done a, a little bit of reunion yeah. in that EP before COVID, yeah. and that, now they're back at it. I think that's going to be amazing. That is. What's the date on that? <laughs> Saturday, October fifteenth. Okay. I gotta I, see you there. I gotta figure out if I can get to DC in October. <laughs> <laughs> Got to find a reason to be on the East Coast. I'm sure Suave and I can work on something on the on the other show. You know? <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm here. <laughs> I don't think I've ever been to that club either. Well, it's only half of what it, of of, of uh, the Black Cat. It's it's the bigger okay bigger half. They had to they had to sell off or or I don't know or their lease ran out on the the red room, okay. which was the bar in the back right. backstage smaller venue. Yeah, which was I, honestly, I, I love playing there because it's it was more intimate. Yeah. Although the main stage is amazing too. Well, that sounds like an amazing show. So we'll you know watch out for that if you're in the. Hey, DC. wait a minute! There are more freedoms than tracks here. On the oh uh, yes, you noticed. Wait that. a minute. Okay, all right. <laughs> I'm gonna have to investigate this. <laughs> so yes, so there are you know there are there are freedoms that got cut. Oh, like sound record or that didn't didn't make the cut. I should I should say, for full band. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think we. I think I'm, I agree with the choices that were made. It's enough freedoms. It's enough. Yeah. Okay. Freedom isn't free. <laughs> <laughs> it is not. So, um, well, thank you, Gordon, for coming on and and uh, just you know. Thank Super you. awesome to have you. We've been looking forward to this for like a month. So, you know, my pleasure. Seriously, I've been, I've been looking forward to this a lot. And yeah, thanks. Thanks so much for having me. Yeah, it was nice to meet you. And thanks for listening, everybody. 